This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm Andrew. I'm here today with Marisha. Hello. And no one else. Just because us. Because it's the middle of the day and everybody with jobs is doing work and I don't have enough work, so. Here we are. Here we are, talking Star Wars. If you'd uh, like to pay us to do Star Wars, then we could call this work. <laughs> I'd be all right with that. Um, no, we're going to do something a little different. It's going to be a little bit shorter. But we're, we're trying to get this episode out quick, so probably a, a mostly unedited episode here. But before episode before chapter 11 of The Mandalorian drops tomorrow, we did want to get our thoughts out there on chapter 10. Uh, just at first thought, it's been a, it's been a week since we watched it. I, I haven't, I don't know if you've rewatched it. I haven't actually rewatched it. I'll rewatch it tonight right. before the new one comes out tomorrow. I've rewatched pieces of it, I think, but I don't think I rewatched the whole thing. Right. I've gone back and watched some clips uh, just to see certain scenes, but I haven't actually rewatched the entire episode yet. So, just at first thought, reflecting back on something you watched a week ago, what were your first thoughts on this episode? Um, I mean, I know there were a lot of kind of complaints about this episode. That it wasn't quite, you know, adventuresome uh, enough, I guess, for some people's taste. And I wouldn't say, wow, that's like my favorite episode ever. But, you know, I think sometimes you need episodes that kind of are a little more mundane. There's, you know, there doesn't always have to be such high stakes. Um, Although I think, you know, arguably for Frog Lady, the stakes are pretty high. About Maybe. getting where she needs to go. Maybe. Maybe. If that's true, if if her story's true, that that's still, you know, we've had, there was already some shady stuff going on there on the front side of that. So, so we'll see, you know, uh, exactly how that plays out. And, you know, of course, you've got egg gate going on now. With, oh, yes. Uh, baby Yoda eating, eating eggs. And, and I get it. I think that that scene was supposed to make you kind of... Kind of recoil a little bit and go, whoa. Well, because we were sitting there, like we're sitting there during that scene and it's like we were kind of having the discussion. Okay, is he trying to communicate with it on some level, some kind of molecular? Because obviously it's not sentient, they're not fertilized. But is he like trying to have some kind of communion with him or is he going to eat them? (laughs) Right. And I mean, it was pretty much a toss up as to which direction that was going to go. And so... You know, we're all kind of sitting there like, okay, is he going to like try and, you know, have some sort of, you know, moment with these, these unfertilized eggs? And no, 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 just a snack, just a snack. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it, I I don't, I don't know. I have no issue with it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously some people did. Yes. I think a lot of people had issue with it for, that there that their problem with it was for other people. They mm-hmm. were standing up for these other people who nobody knows who they are. Right. But who may or may not have 
benefit. I mean, as, as a woman, I don't feel like it was some sort of, you know, inappropriate statement of anything. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, but that's not what we're going to talk about. But I mean, it was me- worth mentioning. I mean, it, it's a joke. Sometimes jokes land and sometimes they don't. That one hit real mixed results, which honestly, sometimes that tells you it was a good joke when it, it walks up. You know, George Carlin always said about comedy is comedy is when you walk up to the line, you find where the line is and you step over it. Yeah. So <clears throat> Baby Yoda is not, we, we just, he will eat anything. Clearly. And that's not the first thing that he's been like batted away from trying to eat. Right. Although we did get the impression, the funny thing was in that last episode, we really got the impression that those, uh, those creatures that the sand people had really thought that Baby Yoda looked like a pretty good snack. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, um, any other just general thoughts on the episode? Because here's my thing. I didn't think, I, I do think that this might have been story-wise the weakest episode we've gotten so far. Yeah. They pulled out some really cool stuff. It's still a great adventure. I do think that premium TV, your streaming service, television, mm-hmm. the the mode of storytelling, because your seasons are short. Right. Your budgets are high. Expectations are high. And it has ruined serialized storytelling. Well, it's like it cost you $7 million to make this episode. Why didn't you do more with it? It's kind of how people kind of tend to approach it. Right. These days. Now, for for all of that, it, it was the whole, at, at least at this point, you know, sometimes Filoni does things, and, and I know it's a Favreau series, but Filoni is definitely his right-hand man on this, mm-hmm. proven by the fact that you have got creatures from Macquarie art showing up. But I hate those things. <laughs> I hate, hate the spiders. Dave Filoni is definitely the the right-hand man when it comes to kind of filling out these stories and where the story's going to go. And knowing Dave Filoni's influence on this show, there's no reason to assume that an episode is just a wasted episode. Right. Dave Filoni is all about the slow burn for storytelling, which is great. That's really what this needs to be. Yep. That's when we're talking about telling a story over years. We want a little bit of a slow burn. We don't have to get punched in the face with it every week. And honestly, I think sometimes shows fall into that where they feel like they have to, here's the villain, and but then we have to conquer the villain, like, immediately, but then we have to have a new villain. Right. And so that's how you, like we were talking about Stargate last week, that's how you wind up with the Ori, is right. because it's like we kept coming up with the villains, but then we had to conquer them because otherwise this story isn't going to move fast enough. Um, so, yeah, the slow burn is definitely... It has its place. Right. And here's the thing. This episode did do some important things. One, we got to see this. In in episode one, we really didn't get to see much in the way, because we've got this idea that some time has passed. And maybe even that the Mando has really built a reputation. Um, You know, in in, in episode one of this season, the uh, Cyclops, whose name I can't remember. Gore something. <clears throat> tells him, you, you know, he says, where I go, the child goes, and so I've heard. Right. So people know who he is. Right. <clears throat> he, he's building that reputation, 
But what we didn't get to see was if this time has passed, like what is the child and the Mandalorian's relationship look like? This one, we really got to see a little bit more of, of how their relationship plays out. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a huge character growth moment. Yeah. It is seeing that they are, the, the relationship is continuing to grow. He's not quite as impatient with the child as he was in season one. Right. And we get that moment. We get cool moments with the X-Wings, with getting to see some, uh, you know, Filoni back in the X-Wing. And um, I, I cannot think of the, his real name, but the actor from um, Kim's Convenience. Yes. Who is a huge Star Wars fan. He's a 501st member. And to see him getting to show up with a speaking role in this was, was right. also yes, fantastic. Awesome. We got to see kind of what the New Republic, how they're dealing with things going on out there right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a big galaxy. A lot of wrong has been done. Yeah. And initially they kind of run him down because, you know, and that was the thing. It closed a story gap. It closed a loophole. He just got away from that space station, that station, scot-free. Right. Last season. Yeah. They knew it was him. They also knew it was his ship that broke into the prison. Right. So it did kind of leave this open-ended, well, are they not going to come looking for him for that? Or right. And how did he get away from the space station without anybody even flinching? And the thing is, there was enough information about and enough video out to show the things that he had done in, in all of those situations that they kind of went, you know, you've done some bad, but you've done some good. And there's a lot of bad to deal with out here in the galaxy right now. Yeah. You're not worth our time. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. And no, we're not going to fix your ship. Right. But I think it's, it, it may have been as much as anything, an important episode just because we see a little bit of what's going on with the new republic because i mean that's important like we've kind of seen what the the remnants of the empire are up to but it's important especially as he's going to lots of different places the the galaxy's still in in a lot of conflict and the new republic is you know out to they're out to establish their own law and order right and that's an important part of the story so I think as much as anything, it's important to kind of give you a, just a snapshot into what's going on in, in the New Republic at this point. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, who doesn't love seeing X-Wings in action again? I mean, we've got a great little fight scene. It's not really a fight scene, but uh-huh. a chase scene. There. Right. Um, I still think every time they do something like that, that ship just gets a little more... Uh, more serenity to me, but yeah, it was. Uh, there were a couple of shots. It was like, oh, look, it's a firefly. But they they've done a great job with that stuff, and, and I love it. And and I love a lot of little moments. I mean, I think kind of by the time you forget that they covered a lot of ground in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, and and I do believe that this episode is largely just was a mechanism to get him from Tatooine, from looking for Mandalorians to. This other planet. We're on the way to Trask. We're on the way to the water planet now. Right. So this was the only reason for him to go there. Was this person had info and she'll tell you when you get her there. Right. Exactly. And it's so, sub- going sublight. Right. Course. So 
I do feel like it was, at least at this point, I would say it's the least important storyline we've gotten, but it's still full of really great moments. Mm-hmm. It, it did leave me a little unsatisfied where it ended. It just didn't feel complete, but it, it was meant to be a cliffhanger, and, and right. cliffhangers are never going to feel quite complete, and that's part of this whole linear storytelling right. idea um, instead of... We're trying to kind of blend this idea of serials and this linear arc together. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's going to hit and sometimes it's not. And, mm-hmm. and this one just didn't quite have the the punch that a lot of these episodes have had. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we talk about that. We talk about the spiders and we'll get to those in a minute. Yeah. And we talk about the X-Wings. But we forget this started off still on Tatooine with him right. getting attacked by more bounty hunters. Right. So, you know, we we have that going on, and we get a really cool scene there with a little more Mandalorian kicking ass. Right. Yep. And, and the child just looks at him like, come on, man. <laughs> so, um, and, and we, we continue to establish that the Mandalorian is just a badass. Mandalorian in his armor walking through the desert carrying Boba Fett's armor and all of his other gear. Uh, and his huge chunk of crate dragon, right? Um, and and that's other the, the the other kind of funny running gag that they've had this season is the child. Like you can't figure out like also how it feels about that chunk of crate dragon if it's trying to revive it or if it's going to eat it. You know, like he seems like kind of worried about that that hunk of meat, doesn't he? He kind of see you know he kind of he, they keep coming up and finding with his hand on it. Um, so I, I think they're also doing just a little bit of character development with a child. I mean, there's only going to be so much character development with a character that's probably going to be, you know, the equivalent of a two-year-old for a while. But we kind of get to see a little more how he ticks, how he works. And he's clearly very instinctual at this point. Right. Yeah, I mean, he he's... Like you said last night, you said he was, you called him feral. Yeah. And I mean, to to a point he is, I mean, yeah, he's a sentient creature, but he's, you know, he's acting a lot on instinct and he's a species that we know nothing about. Right. So another character that they kind of gave some character development that may not have even warranted it, but because... But Amy Sedaris's character has really kind of drawn mixed mm-hmm. reviews, and and I get it. The character can is is just strange, and 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 maybe overacts a little bit, and it, it seems a little out of place. Mm-hmm. But we got to see, you know, previously she's just kind of been there at the spaceport and has just kind of served as, in, you know, to give the Mandalorian information. Right. But in this one, we got to see she's a little more of a pirate herself. Right. With some of her her little bit more shady dealings, which, you know, she's there in Moz Eisley. has been there a long time. Right. It makes sense. Right. Um, and I still maintain I've met people like her. I mean, people you're like, you can't possibly be a real person. But they are. Right. So... 
it does appear. I think a lot of us, myself included, were very convinced that that snow planet, that ice planet, was Ilum. Mm-hmm. It appears that that was just completely unfounded, that this is just some other ice planet out there. Yeah. Um, but it was still an interesting place, and... Of course, we we got these spiders. Baby Yoda finds the eggs, walks over and eats one, and of course enrages the whole <laughs> the whole hive. Uh-huh. Now, initially, I thought that when it was just the little ones, I thought it was Ken- going to be Kenrath from Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, which are kind of an arachnid mm-hmm. uh, type creature. They do look a little different than the uh, Krikna that ended mm-hmm. up showing up. But when the bigger ones started coming out, it was very clear. That it was Krigna, which, as we were mentioning earlier, that's thanks to Dave Filoni. I mean, that's Filoni loves pulling in Macquarie artwork into his animated shows. Right. And this was a chance to bring those creatures to life in live-action Star Wars. And it was, as, as much as I don't like spiders, it was awesome. Yeah, and they did a great job. It definitely, you definitely believed that's a giant... You nasty arachno creature that just wants to eat everything. Ugh. But yeah, they were they did a great job with them. Um so the other character we haven't talked about is the passenger or frog lady. Right. Frog lady. So what did you think about that character? Um Well, she's clearly determined, you know, like she's not gonna be dissuaded. Um, she's, she's got her, her mission and come hell or high water, she's going to do it. Um, I mean, we, I don't think we really learned a whole lot about her, um, other than that she's very motivated. You know, she's, she's willing to undertake great risk to fulfill her mission. Right. Um, I imagine she wouldn't be very happy if she realizes Baby Yoda's been snacking on her spawn there. Probably not. Although I, I'm not sure that she didn't. She definitely was aware that he would like to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, it was an interesting character. Of course, another mocap character. Same uh, same actress who did Quill. Okay mocap this character yeah and i believe oh who voiced it it was um oh d bradley baker that's right uh d brad d bradley baker adding to his long list of star wars credits so was he the voice was he like the grunting voice or was he the voice that she was speaking through the robot my suspicion is that D. Bradley Baker, he might have done both, but he definitely did the... I'm almost certain that was him speaking through the uh, droid's vocal order. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was all very interesting. And, I mean, it, it definitely establishes her. You know, she's an intelligent creature. Why her husband is on this other planet across the system... I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But um, interesting character. I mean, not not a lot to her because, you know, frankly, we don't understand most of the... I did appreciate that the subtext or the, the subtitles when she's speaking frog just says speaks frog. <laughs> That's 
pretty funny. You know, which tells me, like, Mando can't understand her and we're not meant to either. Right, yeah. Sorry, I don't speak whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, now we're, we're flying towards, uh, I can't think of the name of the water planet we're on our way to, but uh, on to the next chapter of our story, which appears to be where we're going to have some more mysterious characters show up. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you thought they should have done different in this episode or anything that you would have changed or? I mean, it, it was a little weird, you know, just like the whole spawning in the, the, the pool thing was just like, that is so bizarre. But I mean, it was fine. I, I don't necessarily have like a, oh, you know, this, this is all the things I should have done differently. I, you know, I don't feel strongly enough about it. And and more to the point, I haven't seen where it's going. And it's it's a little unfair, I think, to make judgments about a piece of the story when we just don't know where it's going. Yeah, it's with this kind of storytelling, it's it's hard to judge. It's just like a trilogy. It's hard to you can judge each individual movie, but it's real hard a lot of times to completely judge the middle chapter of a trilogy until you've seen the last chapter of a trilogy. Right, exactly. Because oftentimes they're misdirects and things like that in, in a middle chapter where we we're not seeing the whole picture. Yeah. But overall, I, I enjoyed the episode. I do think that it's the weakest of the Mandalorian series so far. But that's not saying a lot. Right, exactly. That's like saying, well, it's the worst Avengers movie. Okay. That's okay. It's still a great movie. It, right, it's, yeah. So it's still a good episode of TV. Yeah, exactly. A little more in that serialized style than in our major story arc. I, but I do think that they have reasons for taking time to tell this story. I definitely, I mean, the thing is, there are only, what, eight or ten episodes this season? They are not going to just throw something out there. Just, it, it's not filler. I'm confident they, they don't need filler episodes right. in the story. Every story they tell, they tell on purpose. So I'm confident that it's all going to fit together in the end. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else before we wrap up? Baby Yoda may be a jerk, but he is darn cute. The little flapping ears. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love the flapping ears when he's on the speeder bike. Oh, my. And, like, it's it's real fun watching it with little girls because, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like every time he, you know, something like that happens, they're just both of them and, and maybe their mother as well. Always very impressed with the, the – and they really, I think, have – zeroed in on the cutest things that a baby Yoda can do and uh, make sure that we get to see plenty of them. Yeah. I mean, they, they've done some really funny stuff. One, the, the eggs, whether you liked it or not, the, the, the way he just kind of looks at the Mandalorian and then just shoves it in his mouth and it's gone. <laughs> it's like, you're, I, I, the thing is I've had children. I'm like, and there have been days where I'm like, you were a 
terrible human being. <laughs> you are a really terrible person. I mean, just sometimes they just do the worst stuff. Well, it's, they're they're self-centered. Yes. Because we come that way. <laughs> right, exactly. They, and, and that's the whole thing. He is, despite being 50 years old, he's clearly developmentally a child. Right, yeah. And children come selfish. Exactly. They have to learn empathy and kindness. Yes, absolutely. And they they tend to put themselves at the center of everything. And mm-hmm. when a child is hungry, they don't care what else is going on. Right, no. And they don't care if that's a good thing to eat. Oh, man, the things my kids have eaten over the years. Yeah, like, you know, you have to make sure that, like, if it's not edible, it should be out of reach because they're going to sure enough try it. Well, it's like the, you know, the six-year-old walking in here yesterday and going, can I eat that hot dog in there? And I thought about it a second. I was like, is that hot dog left over from yesterday? Is it still on the counter? Yeah. It's like, no, you can't eat that hot dog. I mean, it probably wouldn't have killed him. <laughs> no, not as many chemicals are as on a hot dog. But yeah, but yeah, it's... It's, it's, like I said, I think they're really kind of doing some character development with a child. And I, the other thing that was just great was after, you know, like the, the jetpack goes up and drops the guy, like when, when the child kind of like glares at him, it's like, that is like, a, you know, that Muppet glare that they have where they kind of pull, it, that's exactly what it looks like. It's like Kermit the Frog's like indignant face. Right. Well, <laughs> th- there's a couple of things there. Um. Uh, we haven't really seen, we've seen the child do a little bit of walking, but in this one where they had him walking in the snow, <laughs> it was a Muppet. It was absolutely, it's like, or like we were watching, I was like, oh my gosh, he's, he's like walking like a Muppet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. In fact, I'm going to have to find a screenshot of that, that look he gives and put it next to you know, one of Kermit's more unhappy faces because that's exactly what it is yeah which i feel like is brilliant that they managed to pull that in you know since the original yoda character was a puppet yeah uh, i mean and this one is too but it's it's a little bit of a different kind of puppet right it's not technically a puppet it's and it's animatronic yeah um now there have been animatronic puppets this character, not so much, although I'm not totally sure that the walking might not have been some sort of puppet. Yeah. So I, I guess we'll see there. I guess we'll learn more about that after the season's over. But I do think that this episode set up some interesting things. We we got a little more interaction with the New Republic to see exactly what the relationship is there and how they're going to treat people like, like the Mandalorian. Right. Um, they're not that concerned with his story or what he's trying to do or where he's going. Um, we know you've done bad things. You're not really worth our time right now. You've also you've also done some good things. You showed you're not an evil person. Mm-hmm. We also don't think you're with the Empire. So, right. You know, keep your nose clean, and we'll see you later. Right. And. So we got to see that. We got to see, I mean, his ship is busted now. Right. Like the ship is a big, big mess. So They're all sealed in the cockpit. That will affect how they move forward with this journey. Right. So, Just kidding. We'll all die if that happens. <laughs> they did interject a little bit of humor in this one, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but overall, 
it's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It just, it just, it's missing a little bit of something. You know, though, that first episode was so astonishingly good. There was, yeah, it was going to be hard to match that. I'm just not sure that they even quite matched the kind of middle ground of last season. Yeah. That's fair. And I guess we'll just, you know, like I said, I'm confident that it's going to go places. So, right. I'm okay with it, Neil. I would, whenever, whenever it was over, I'm not going to lie. I was like, well, I have to wait a whole nother week. That was my week's worth of the Mandalorian. Like, you know, for all the hype. And right. Honestly, and that's what I'm talking about. For all the hype around it, you watched that one and it, it just, it just wasn't quite as fulfilling. Right. As a lot of the other episodes, even yeah. though a lot happened. Mm hmm. It just, it was just missing something. But yep. overall, that's what I thought about this week's episode of The Mandalorian. Yep. I think that's pretty much sums it up. All right. Well, you got anything else to add before we wrap up? Any other Star Wars news or? If I ha if you hadn't got any Star Wars news, love, I certainly don't. There's not a lot of Star Wars news. It does sound like they're fixing to start filming Cassian. Though. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, I actually got on Twitter today for the first time in like a week. I saw someone who posted that, so that's exciting. All right. Well, Marisha, where can people find you until next time? You can find me on my website, princessesandpadawans.com. You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is ppadawans. All right. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast. at C-R-U underscore podcast. You can find me at thesciencefictionary.com. Just have a new article up there if you play Civ Six at all, or if you've ever played any Sid Meier's games, there was a little bit of a new game mode put into Civ Six that was supposed to be an homage to Sid Meier's Pirates. And I've got an article about that up at thesciencefictionary.com. You can find us at our other podcast, the Science Fictionary Podcast. And all of our podcasts can be found at thesciencefictionary.com, where you can play them from the website. They're also available pretty much anywhere you would want to go to listen to a podcast. You can also check us out at red5network.com, where you will find us as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family. And I highly encourage you to go over there and check that out. You can also check out the Red 5 Network at Red 5 Network on Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you.